Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today has been working in the coffee industry for the last five years. Coffee has always been a part of his life from a young age, watching his grandfather roasting and brewing coffees from all over the world. After working in the financial industry for many years, he decided that he wants to make a change in his life and follow a new career path. And since he has always been passionate about coffee, he felt like he found his true calling and decided to open his own roastery called Cypher Coffee Roastery. As a result of their commitment to ensuring quality to their clients and supporting fair trade practices with their suppliers has enabled Cypher to become one of the top rated coffee roasters in the UAE. During this episode, we discuss his journey with coffee and the industry in the UAE. He shares with us his knowledge and experience of building a coffee business. And we talk about the importance of following your passion and loving what you do to achieve the success that you want. His desire to be completely transparent and to act with pure intentions are some of the key factors that have contributed to his success. He has always believed in the importance of giving back and supporting your local community. And to remember that if you follow your passion, act with pure intentions, work hard, love and enjoy what you do, then there will always be a place for you in the market. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Muhammad Mir'i. <laughs> Thanks. Hello, Salah. How you doing? Alhamdulillah. Uh, so, Mo, as you know, we met a few months ago uh, because of uh, a mutual friend of ours, Zaid, and he introduced me to you and like coffee and everything. And in my opinion, Cypher is the best coffee in town. And you know, I've bought every single one that we've had so far. Uh, but I wanted to understand and start, how did you get into coffee and where did that journey begin? Um, first, thanks uh, for the invite, Khaled. Um, uh, I'm really appreciative and I'm actually excited about this. Uh, basically, my journey with coffee started with since I was a kid. Um, I'm originally Palestinian, and uh, we used to live. I was born, and uh, my dad's been in the UAE since 1969. Um, we grew up in Abu Dhabi, and we used to go visit my grandfather down uh, in Lebanon, where he used to live. And uh, whenever we used to go visit him, he would uh, he was a coffee enthusiast, and um, he would always uh, use like uh, Ottoman era type of uh, you know coffee tools to uh, roast the coffee, to grind the coffee, and you know. And he used to sit down, sip on the coffee, and we used to wake up in the morning, early in the morning, listening to him like humming and like roasting his coffee. Literally roasting, and he used to show us this coffee is from, uh, you know, Ethiopia. This coffee is from Yemen, uh, and then he would roast it manually and uh, directly grind it, and uh, you know, uh, brew it for Turkish coffee and sip it. That memory stayed with me for a while, but you know, it was lost in the subconscious for a period of time. And then my khal, uh, my uncle, actually lives in, uh, who's in Abu Dhabi as well. And he was actually, he's uh, he moved to Abu Dhabi in 1976. He was um, a nurse. At the same time, he opened uh, uh, one of the first roasteries, uh, Middle Eastern style, like Levant style roasteries with chocolate, coffee, and uh, okay. and nuts. Yeah, yeah. And um, we used to always go to his store when we were young and, uh, you know, associate like the family is in coffee and he used to ask a lot of questions about coffee since i was young and try to understand it hey, with time you know you stay in a house where your mom and dad always sipping on coffee the first thing in the morning turkish yeah. coffee and the day starts with it and uh, you know how, you know how like it's a, it's, a, it's a ritual that people live by you know what i mean so from there, I think all of these memories were stuck to my head. Until the life, life journey t- took me in different directions. Until one day I was like, it's actually not one day, like over a period of time, it's a cumulative type of events that led me to believe that, you know, there must be a different way that we live. I was, you know, graduated from finance, worked in the financial field for a period of time, uh, was doing well. Financially, was doing well with my job, but then I hated what I was doing. I hated the people within the industry. I hated the um, the things we were doing. Uh, I started questioning the system, the whole system that we was built, mm-hmm. and the financial system that we. And I've started to notice that it's benefiting the people who are actually rich, rather than the people who really need the uh, 
money and um and, and they started to notice as well within the financial world that uh, it feeds the right, the wrong behavior within the system i mean people who are cheaters people who are just after the short term gain rather than the long term gain people who are not looking for mutual benefit they're trying to maximize their own personal benefit over the organizational or the ecosystem benefit mm-hmm. and um all of this was i was questioning a lot of things from a personal level and from a system perspective as yeah. well so one of these days i'm like you know what i have to really look into what i have to go to work and enjoy every enjoy my time because honestly when you start thinking of it one of the few things that you have control of on in your life is time true very and, true you know so i wanted to explore things i enjoy further in order to see if i can make a living out of yeah i was lucky i was lucky i took an unpaid leave from work and uh, you know went to started soul searching and and the purpose was to find things explore things i enjoy and try to make a living out of in order to reach financial independence yeah and notice here i didn't say rich yeah or i didn't say i wanted to reach financial independence i don't want it to be dependent on any you know corrupt organization or corrupt system to tell me that you know this is what your salary is this is what this is what so i'm like fuck it yeah you want to be you dependent know, on yourself yeah i want to be dependent on myself whether it's too much or less but at least i know that if i put the effort in good intentions clear transparent intentions hard work something good might come out of it True. doing what you love as well of course so i started you know doing some certifications in sports and coffee became a trainer certified trainer uh i've always boxed played football i was really into sports so i started training on the side then i bought myself a small coffee roaster and i did some certifications in coffee as well and i started roasting from my house and training to make money on the side and uh when i came back from my my unpaid leave went back to went to my manager without even blinking i'm like i'm done resigned obviously he thought i was crazy cuz you know <laughs> sure. the amount yeah. of money i was making relative to you know what i will be making as a trainer or as a roast you know amateur roaster anyhow from there you know things started to fall into place maybe i'm lucky i i believe in some cases you have to put yourself in a position to get lucky you know 100% so yeah from there i started roasting from my house and then uh, a very close friend of mine came and he's like let's make a big business out of this At the beginning i refused for a couple of months i wanted to be independent and then he's like listen don't be stupid like there's a lot of potential with this let's make something big out of it and um uh, he became my partner in the roasting coffee roasting business and um we've been in the business since then um he's more of a financial investor investor sure and uh, i'm basically basically me and the team are running the show yeah. uh, the whole family you know the whole cipher family are running the show yeah and um you know i stopped training because i wanted to focus more than anything else on the coffee part of the business sure well alhamdulillah it's been good since then and how many years has cipher been going now uh 5 years 5 years yeah. wow okay yeah. that's quite a while 5 years yeah. especially in this kind of um market because as you know you're you know in the industry I think coffee is one of the most saturated industries probably in the UAE. So I'm always thinking I'm like on average you can find pr- probably decent quality beans in most places. So the question I start asking myself I'm like what's the differentiating factor? What makes you stand out from the crowd? Oh, nothing. Um, I don't think uh, I uh, First let's touch upon the first part which is the saturation. And I I think I think from a saturation perspective there's various industries that are extremely saturated in the market not only coffee like yeah. fmb hotels oversupplied contracting companies oversupplied uh and i think the reason behind that is the boom that happened and the um, the growth that dubai went through 
the opportunity, the minds Dubai brought in, the uh, attitude that Dubai put in place, which is, you know, the entrepreneurship, the growth, the, uh, the, impossible is nothing the vision that was in place brought in a lot of people even uh, i can tell you confidently from the people who graduated from me from university and uh, were connected to this part of the world most of them came back yeah. during dubai's boom times Mm-mm. and and with that comes obviously money follows yeah and the fact that we are in a we were in a highly liquid place uh, money looks for opportunity so a lot of and one of the you know easiest places to kind of tap in money into i feel is in the fmb industry and i think food and drinks and stuff like there's a lot of um, it's an everyday thing that people do and there's a relationship between you know the, it's 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 a sensory type of thing yeah i mean if you love food you're like man i love food why don't i open a restaurant or Man, I love coffee. I'm so passionate about it. Why don't I get into it? And the, hence why the, it's easy maybe to get in, but it can be hard to sustain. Yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's it can key. be very hard to sustain. Mm. And I hear a lot of people might disagree with me, but I think uh, passion is a big part. I mean, you now going to the second part of the question, you sure. asked me about Cypher. Honestly, Alhamdulillah, yani. that's why I consistent myself lucky sometimes where I sacrifice and I took that risk. But every day I go to work and I'm not I'm not annoyed and I'm not I just enjoy every day at work. Yeah. I, I, I really obviously to the listeners who wanna open up their own business and, and something they're passionate about, obviously there are some parts of the business you do that you don't like to do, obviously. But of course. In general, I'm in a field that I really enjoy and every day I go to work, I enjoy what I'm doing. Furthermore, I actually enjoy the fact that I'm independent. Uh, more than, you know, I'm making a lot of money or anything of that. So that's what drives me, you know. I want to stay independent. I want to be able to, you know, enjoy every day of my life doing what I enjoy, doing what I, what I love, which is coffee. So there is a lot of passion yeah. put in place. Yeah. There is a lot of focus put in place. There is a lot of uh, um, uh, extremely clean and transparent intentions. Without it, I don't think you'll ever be able to achieve anything in life, something good. You will never get to the inner peace mm. and then the inner side of yourself where you, you know that you're giving it your best. You're focusing on quality. That's something else we do. We focus on quality. quality yeah more than anything else we're not price driven it's not about the price you know some other people might be it's more about value you know they're, they're more value we're not we, f- we try to give value for money and try to be price dynamic but really it's i always say it's success depending on how you measure success as well for me you know success can be having a healthy family uh, joyful family family uh, uh, providing good life uh, being financially independent can be measured. It's it's personally for me that's a big success. Yeah, uh, very few people have that in their lives because a lot of people associate success with a lot of money, but a lot sometimes the marginal benefit of money can be negative rather than positive. It reaches a point where you know the money become brings you more headache than good. And good, yeah. Um. So yeah, in in terms of that, good in t- for cipher, I think. Clear intentions and hard work. Clear intentions, hard work. And we try to, people forget, it's a service. The product is important, but it's all about the service. The service. You try to, as much as you can, to provide an excellent service from A to Z. It's not about only, you know, welcoming you, welcoming you, serving you the coffee, uh, packing the coffee, delivering the coffee, recovering if you do mistakes. All of the above is very important. Yeah. Um, where did the name Cypher come from, actually? So Cypher came, it's, it was born, so personally, I'm a, a huge fan of hip-hop. Okay. And, uh, um, and I'm proud of being Arabi at the same time, you know. So, and I wanted to, like, I wanted to create something in a way that reflects us, in a way. So Cypher is actually... A, it's a word that's coming, uh, you, you know, it's it's actually a suffer in Arabic. It means suffer. Okay. 
uh, the, it originates with the with the word suffer but and in 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 today's world when you code things you you use binary numbers you use zero one zero one zero 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 so there is a big it's funny but it's uh, you, sometimes you you say suffer is nothing but there's a suffer is a very important number actually yeah. it's a very important number so I think if I'm not mistaken it was it wasn't the Arab that created suffer but it was the Arab that actually uh, enhanced it like how to, they brought it in but I'm not sure of this fact I'm just I, there's a relationship between the suffer and the Arab mm. and uh, you know when you're ciphering the blends of coffee is when you're uh, you're actually it. coding the blends of coffee that's one two uh, when in, in the hip hop world is when you're i feel like when you're ciphering is when you're actually uh, the you're flowing and mm. uh, uh, utilizing your subconscious to flow okay and uh, i believe coffee puts you in that uh, frame of mind 100% frame of mind, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that I really admired about you when we when we spoken before is how you would go to origin and you'd meet the farmers and you'd you know you'd really put in the work to get not only the best quality coffee but to learn yourself. What why was that so, such an important thing for you to start with? Because I loved it. Uh, number one, um, coffee is not only drinking the coffee. You know, there's a story behind each bean. Yeah, you know. And uh, it's a, the supply chain is huge. I mean, you can choose to be in any, uh, if you want to do business within the coffee spectrum, you might decide to, you know, come into the coffee industry as a cafe or yep. coming into the industry as a roaster or coming into the industry as a farmer or coming in the industry as a exporter or as an importer. So for me, what drove me is that the love of agriculture, and I wanted to understand coffee from zero, from the the way from the ground up, from the ground up exactly. So I'm like, while I was, you know, going back to the beginning when I was thinking about the next steps of my life, when I took an unpaid leave and I was thinking of what to do, I'm like, fuck it, let me travel to Costa Rica and Guatemala and Honduras and just meet people. And literally, that was before even me starting to roast. I started meeting people, started understanding. I went with a friend of mine whose family, you know, uh, import, whose father was in the coffee industry for 80 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, and okay. they, they're the biggest green coffee importers to Palestine. And uh, uh, his father actually lived in Palestine, um, lived in Guatemala for over 15 years and he was exporting a lot of coffee from that part of the world to the Middle East and then he established an importing company in Palestine and they import a lot of coffee to Palestine. So I traveled with him. Partly it was a educational, building a knowledge, trying sure. to understand where to come into the market. And uh, this is how it started for me. Yeah. And uh, yes, it's very important to note that, yeah, it's... Yeah, the farm is fun and you go and you understand how things work better and all of the above. But there's a lot of uh, misconceptions that people build about the industry or any industry is that every part of the supply chain is important. And every part of the supply chain is it needs a lot of focus, especially in our industry. And uh, the know-how is very important. And a lot of people believe, you know, in uh, today, today's textbooks or today's world, you know, and MBAs and all of these guys, you have to control the supply chain and all of the above. But I tend to disagree sometimes. You don't have to control the supply chain. You have to work within the supply chain. You, you, and, and it's just because in a lot of cases, when you want to control the whole supply chain, maybe you'll, con you, maybe you'll be some parts of the, within the supply chain, but not the whole part. It's because... A farmer needs to focus on his job. And of he's course. been, a lot of these farmers have been farming coffee for so long that they, you know, they know it better than anyone. And uh, by you wanting to control the whole supply chain, and you tend to s spread yourself thin and lose focus. Okay. Even as a big institution, mm. uh, you, become, you become less agile, you become big, you carry in a lot of weight. So. 
this is one part of the misconception is that people think, yeah, you control the whole supply chain, blah, 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 all of the above. But it's it's not, I don't know. I, I don't feel like, for example, we have to control the whole supply chain. We don't. We don't. We, we, we just have to work within our ecosystem. And this world, uh, in this part, like at this time, a lot of wor- people use the word disrupt the supply chain. I mean, why do you want to disrupt anything? Why don't you work with it, improve it? Mm. You know, with all these, you know, tech companies and e-commerce companies that are coming in and everyone is using, when I read the, the several articles or analyses of various companies and stuff, you know, the, this idea of, this e-commerce idea is going to disrupt the supply chain. I mean, why why even disrupt? Why can't we work within the ecosystem? Why do we have to disrupt? And uh and in, in a way, me going to meet the farmers, I wanted to understand how they work, to understand where they're coming from. And uh, the other misconception is that people think that a lot of farmers have the ability to export their own coffee. They they don't. Oh, really? They, of course they don't. Oh, okay. The majority of farmers, they don't. They don't. First, they have... It's It's related to a lot of risk as well. A lot of farmers sell their coffee locally to mm. exporters because exporters guarantee... That they're gonna buy the coffee at a certain price. Ah, okay. Uh, rather than these, and some of the farmers, these farmers do not have the capability to process the coffee, to um, export the coffee, to uh, you know work with the v- various uh, logistics companies. Uh, remember something: a lot of these farmers are borrowing money to farm coffee. Oh, really? I had no so idea. So when they b- borrow money to farm coffee... I have to pay back the other guy to so go and borrow they, from. So they don't have... They're not that liquid to have their own processing mill and then package and then export and then, you know, uh, carry on with it. They don't have a company or... Some, not all. Obviously, some farmers in Brazil, they're landlords, they're companies, you know, that are huge. So yeah, this is uh, this uh, that misconception of that like you're directly trading with the farmer. It has to be understood that in a lot of cases, it's not. Mm. It's not. Some cases, yes, but in a lot of cases, it's not. It's just you make sure. Sh- what we try to make sure is to pay a fair value for the farmer. Yeah. That's what we try to do. We try to understand what is the market value of a certain coffee from a sensory perspective, from a physical perspective. After the, we do these analyses. And depending on the uh, global benchmark of prices that we have, we know what can be fair and what cannot be fair Sure. when it comes to the farmer at different uh, grade levels for the coffee. Of course. Obviously, coffee, as you know, it comes in different grades as well. And is, does the grade, I've always wondered, does the grade come from the farmer or is it the roastery that determines what the grade of the mm-hmm. coffee will be? Each country has its own grading mechanism. Like a system that a they system, follow. Yeah. Okay. And uh, within that grading mechanism for coffee, they or um, they try to they, basically. If you go to Nicaragua, uh, if you go to Guatemala, if you go to um, uh, Colombia, every single country has its own classifications for the grades of coffees, and these classifications are dependent on the physical defects available in the coffee. Yeah. In some countries, the screen size and the sensory analysis when they cup the coffee and analyze it from a taste perspective. Yeah. So that one, that's that's one part. So when they send the coffee to the exporter, if they if they if the farmer sells that coffee to the uh, to the processing mill, and the processing mill then, if the processing mill is owned by the exporter, they will also grade it and send you their own grade. Then you will have to do your own grade uh, yourself. grading as well. De- and dependent on that, you start negotiating the price because it depends on what type of grade that coffee is. Or if that profile, even if there are defects present, but from a profile perspective, taste perspective, flavor perspective, acidity mm. perspective, body perspective, all of the above suits you really well, then you can just uh, find out that this is the real coffee that you're looking for and you offer a price. Mm. That's really interesting. I didn't know it was graded on so many different scales. I thought at the end the uh, the roastery was the last, you know, the last grading system before, you know, determining the price and so on. I didn't know there were so many other things to take into consideration. But uh, you know, we have to and this is why we have to be very very careful and in a lot of people uh, people who are still new in the industry or people who are 
what they need to focus on is that really it's a profile. The flavor it's profile. The, the cup. Mm. How does it taste? Yeah. Because if you put a lot of focus on the, uh, um, you know, ah, who, grow, who, who graded this coffee? Who is that? Is, I mean, at the end of the day, if that profile suits you, then you should go for it because it suits you really well, that specific profile in coffee. And uh, from a defect, obviously the defects, defect, they're called defects because of the effect on the cup. Of course, yeah, it's going to ruin the flavor. It's, it's the, uh, that's one reason. Another reason might be health-related, moldy, or whatever it is. But in a, in a way, yeah, it's, it's how it affects the cup. So yeah. obviously the higher the number of defects in the coffee, the lower the grade. The lower the grade, and the less desirable the profile is going to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's but but anyways, some coffees their profile work really well for filter coffee. Some coffees they don't. Yeah. They actually they don't really. You can grade the coffee eighty nine, and it's not good on espresso. Simple. Yeah, yeah, it's just not the right. It, it might it might be not the right profile for espresso. Exactly. Yeah. There's something that I saw on your website that I, I didn't understand and I wanted to ask you about. Um, you guys said you participate in fair trade practices. So what does fair trade practices mean and why is that such an important thing so for you? It's, it's very important for us because, as I told you, the intentions is what drives the business. So when we participate in fair trade practices, it doesn't mean that we certify our products as fair trade because you might have you know, your own, um, um, your own you know, idea about fair trade. So what we focus on is the following. By us visiting the farms, as you mentioned before, we, 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 we have a checklist okay. that we, when, we look, when we go to the farm, we analyze the people involved in the product that we're going to buy. As I mentioned to you, it might be the farmer plus the exporter plus the processing mill. Mm. So what we do is that we look at the whole. We look at the whole thing. We we look at these specific producers. How are they treating the farmers? Uh, do they have schools for the farmers within? If it's a if it's a if it's a big farm, for example, I'll give you a scenario. Sure. Yeah. One one of our farm one of the our partners that we deal with, they've been in the coffee industry for four generations now. Oh wow. Okay. So, within their farm, it's a huge farm. Within their farm, they have schools for the farmers. They have a minimum wage for the farmers. They they charge a specific amount of coffee, and then they provide a traceability report for that specific coffee. Okay. And all the people involved within within the farming community, you can check the names of the people within that co-op or within that farm that participated in harvesting, harvesting the coffee. Harvesting the coffee, in yeah, yeah. And, you know, and you start noticing the soft and the hard things. Soft, I mean, how they treat their staff, how they treat this. The hard things is how well their processing mill is, how, how, how well it, is it clean, is it maintained in the right way, is it done the right way. And um, you, from there, you start sensing, you know, the fair trade practices that these, how important all the stakeholders involved within the supply chain is for them are for them sorry. Yeah. so from that checklist we start building and understanding how things and trust me we did visit some farms and I personally refused to buy coffee from them because of the way they basically hired the farmers and the, the, the way I saw they how they were running their businesses mm, yeah within them obviously you know you try to do your best and you try to do, you try to have a good intentions when it comes to this somebody might be screwing you up you don't know but yeah, exactly. in the at the end we try like when we visit farms it's it's a, it's an annual thing mm. it's an annual thing that a representative from the company visits the existing suppliers and we try to deal with the same suppliers we don't like to jump around from one supplier to the other and the more you visit the more you ingrate like the more you solidify the relationship yeah, and, you start, it, yeah. and you start to understand how they really treat uh, and by the way that also works from a customer perspective we've refused to, to to work with some clients in Dubai or in the UAE because of the way they're treating their staff really so, yes straightforward oh, wow. and I mean because for me when I look at things I'm like if this is the way he's treating his staff 
how would he or she be treating us? Uh, I see how you look at it. So um, that's also part for me. That's also part of the fair trade. Just making so from the fair trade, just sound from what I've understood is just making sure that whoever you're dealing with and whatever you know business they have, or whether it's the farmer, is that you know you're they're putting their best foot forward and taking care of their people to get you the best product for you. You know, hundred percent, hundred. And that's that's something that I keep actually mentioning to the farmers as well. If if we pay a premium to you, I'm expecting quality. Fair. You know, that's fair. I'm, we're paying premium. We're expecting quality from you. That's what we re- want in return. We're paying higher than the market average, maybe by specific amount. We're expecting quality, because at the end of the day, the clients, unfortunately, here in the UAE, they might not care about fair trade. They might care about the quality of the product, because when it comes to price, we might be a bit more expensive than others. But we're we need people to believe in what we're doing in order for to justify why they might be paying higher High than prices. others. Yeah, of course. Um, the coffee industry, I think, over the last few years has like, grown a lot. But one of the things, so I, I watched the coffee webinar and it was this woman who was worked with the SEA for years. And it was interesting that she said that when they were looking at selling coffee, when they did like research about customers, you know how on every bag there's where it was grown, the altitude, the yes. flavor profiles and stuff. Yes. But she's, it was interesting that she said that the average consumer doesn't really care about that. So they were using language like uh, rich and sweet, you know, comfortable and stuff. So the question I started thinking about is why do a lot of coffee places, why is that such an important thing to you know put on the label if that's what she found? Um, what do you think? Uh, honestly, I think there's a lot of um, also... A lot of people look at it from the sense that this is what others do and I'll do the same. Okay. That's Don't forget that a lot of it started somewhere and all of us, inclusive of us, like looked at how other people were doing it and you started doing it. But after you start doing it for a while, you start evolving yourself. Sure. I yeah, mean, yeah. You, you know... They, I mean, behind every professional there was an amateur. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> no way. Like, yeah, you just, uh, and that's what sometimes, you know, it kind of annoys me is that when 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 people in this part of the world think that the product that's coming from Europe or the US is better than here. And they don't understand that they were all amateurs like everyone else here. You have to support your local industry in order to you know invest in the right people in order for that business to grow if the if that business cumulative if that business cumulative has the right mentality the right intentions the, the right approach they will grow and they will be able to compete with europe and the west and all of the above that's not point number one point number two going to your point it's a personal choice i guess i mean even in a lot of cases don't forget that a lot of these coffee people are hipsters and like they don't care <laughs> yeah, what other, a lot of them true. that might say like i don't care what others things i want to put this on my bag you know like the altitude sometimes it's related to the the higher the altitude the better quality of the coffee technically technically speaking that's what it's not really always but it it the, might relate to the the general rule to the general rule that it's it's high grown coffee that means the it's high the higher density that means it encompasses more flavor notes and all of the above it's not always true but and uh, you know you try you're trying also in a way, I like it. I don't know. I I, I kind of disagree with her because interesting because because in a way it helps inform the client, the interested client, of the geography of that specific coffee and how you can, you know, inf- improve your p- tasting profiles yeah. in relation to the origin of that coffee or the re- the or the process of the co- that coffee or the altitude of that coffee whatever it is you know yeah. and it starts relationship starts building that story between you and the origin of that coffee i mean that's true um, i noticed actually something you guys do that i think is really really smart is on the website you guys have the head start then you had i think the i can't remember what the middle one sophisticated sophisticated then you have nobility and it's kind of like if you're someone who doesn't know about coffee and wants to get into coffee, start here. Yeah. And you know, this yes. is probably where you want to start and then build it through. So I thought that was really smart. Yeah. Because I think the biggest challenge and for like a person who doesn't really know about coffee is educating them about 100%. this is what it is and these are what you might like. Once yeah. you find something you like, you will come back. 
And uh, the re- a lot of people in the industry, you know, sp- you know, at least amateurs, they speak badly about like Starbucks or they speak badly about Nespresso or whatever. You might have your disagreements with some of their practices. Yet we wouldn't be here without them. To be honest with you, like people in this industry, I mean, Starbucks has, you know, the amount of knowledge that Starbucks has passed from coffee, from from farming to brewing to drinking to to uh, you know becoming the third place where people go sit down have a cup of coffee and you know is is humongous. I mean, without Starbucks, there will be very few independent stores i mean and it's it's a uh, you have to pay respect to that and then from there you develop your own style of roasting and doing things differently than them you know and in in my perspective i always thought of it this way uh, the way i evolved in consuming coffee is it's related to a lot of people the, the consumers in the market i mean people start with you know turkish coffee maybe at home and then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then into into like the the american american batch brewers you yeah, know yeah. and then to french press and then to you know buying uh, a starbucks uh, coffee and then buying a starbucks bag you want to save costs and then moving into nespresso and then moving from nespresso oh you graduate this is what i call <laughs> now is this is the graduation now you're ready to consume a lot of the you know, specialty, specialty type coffee. of yeah, yeah, products. Yeah. So in order to <laughs> ease that progress for people, this is the idea was created of having different tiers in our coffee line between the Head Start, Coffisticated, and the Nobility Coffees. And by the way, the, it's also because of we, we want it to be price dynamic. We wanted to have coffees at different because not everyone is going to be interested in the you know cup of excellence coffee that won number four in Burundi that is a very unique profile. Actually, very few people are going to maybe find the difference in taste between this and coffees from Head Start. And you know, as I told you before, that coffee might not work for espresso. It might work for you know, it might work for a V60 or work for a batch brew. Yeah, we wanted to provide that wide variety of different coffees in order for the you know brewer to enjoy, to enjoy. and to you know create a tangible relationship between them and the product sure um i wanted to ask you how do you guys decide on two things number one uh how many coffees to like hold at once and to be like selling because you guys have quite a wide range and how do you guys decide is it a yearly basis or just based on the consumer reaction of we want to get more maybe brazil more this more of these kind of flavor oh yeah you profiles. start gauging you... the demand you yeah, start gauging yeah, yeah, the okay. demand you start building up uh, obviously we we have uh, various models you know that we created in order to see to understand uh, forecasting models gauging the demand and uh, luck anyone that tells you otherwise is bullshitting there's really? a lot of luck involved yes of course i i you know a lot of people try to you know boost that you know i do this on a, i mean personally i think I'll, we were lucky in a lot of cases but obviously you have to put yourself in that position to be lucky let's put the work to get the yeah luck. but yeah we were lucky yeah what was the reason uh, i was thinking about this i'm like what was the reason that you decided to open a roastery rather than simply you know a cafe i'm curious to hear like what was, uh, what you, was because the i wanted to roast oh you wanted yeah to roast. yeah i was yeah, roasting yeah. for my house for a year and a half mm. So I wanted I wanted to import the green coffee myself and you know and I enjoyed that part of importing the green coffee and selling it uh within the supply chain I consider myself a copper more than anything else like a you know a grader coffee grader yeah more than uh, you know anything else and, and uh, I I love to import coffee and uh, roast it and you know sell it and all of the above so I wanted to make things yeah, yeah. You know, I wanted, to, yeah, 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 I wanted yeah. to make, I wanted, I felt like, you know, I felt that in a way, the whole Arab world is missing industries. That it's all about, you know, there's a lot of services, but there are not, there are very few things that are actually made here. You know, like they're, they're made here, raw material, and it goes through a production process and it's produced. And, you know, I wanted to make things. I didn't want to, finance things you know like mm, i wanted yeah, to yeah, actually yeah, make yeah. things more than anything else yeah yeah 
Um, so funny that you talked about the roasting at home because number I just found out like a month ago that you can roast coffee at home. And I was like, what? Like I saw some YouTube videos and the guy's just doing it in a pan. I'm like, I didn't even know he could do this. This is crazy. And that's manual. Yeah. Ma- ma- that's what my grandfather used to do. No way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. It seems, it seems like it's so simple, but like, because when I come to like Cypher, when I go to other places and you see these huge machines and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's just heat. Yeah. yeah. Heat and spinning it around. So the process of roasting is, you know, it's about heat transfer conduction convection radiation yeah. so it depends which part is the roaster dependent on more or the equal balance between these between those two yeah between these three three you know type of uh, heat transfers that are happening yeah but you know at the end of the day also some as i told you so you might you don't have to do everything you might enjoy serving and brewing coffee more than anything else i mean if that's what you enjoy trust me so many people made a lot of if if you're if you're if you're you wanted to enjoy what you do and make money from it there are so many people that focused on this more than anything else you don't have to roast and and this is something that you know i always i have so many people that come to me they're like i want to open a roastery i want to do this and the first question is i ask why why do you want to open a roastery what's the reason behind it and if he tells me it's, he's really passionate about it and he really wants to do it I have nothing to tell him but go for it, to be fully honest with you. Mm. But so many people, cafe owners and restaurant owners and various people come to me and they're like, we want to open a roastery, we want to cut costs. And here where I tell them, you don't know what you're talking about. It's definitely, you can't cut costs with roasting coffee and the amount of attention and the amount of focus that you need to put in place for that learning curve to get to a level where it's flowing from a production perspective is humongous. Not every contractor has a cement factory. Simple as that. You know, like it's not, it's it's not, you'll not save costs with a specific scale. You'll start saving costs at a certain scale. And when you plow a lot of capital into the various, uh, various parts of the supply chain. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand. Yet, the reason why you're seeing a lot of roasteries open is because, honestly, I think people think it's just let me buy the machine, connect it. If I have one cafe, I'll start serving myself, and then I'll sell to other people. And it's that. It's not that. It's really not that. It's not. It's not. But at the same time, I tell you, if he loves roasting and he's really into roasting, hundred percent go, go for, for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even if you're a restaurant, and I've had this a couple of restaurants that come to me and spoke to me about this the guy is a chef let's say the, the guy who's running uh, which is rare in dubai but the guy who's running <laughs> yeah. the restaurant is a chef because yeah. usually it's an investor of course yeah yeah and in order for his food the reason why his food is good because he's a chef i mean if the cafe that wants to start roasting is is looking to you know, roasting coffee and the guy who's running the cafe is a coffee guy, then hell yeah, go for it. Mm. Then that means you're going to focus on roasting and buying the right green coffees. You care because that's your product. It's like the chef who really cares about his food. Yeah, It's the same idea exactly. Otherwise, go within the ecosystem. Find the right people. Find the right roasters that you want to deal with. Not only from a product perspective, from an ethical perspective, from a relationship perspective, from a price perspective, from a, a, a quality perspective. All of the above is important. So. Yeah. I think you made a very interesting point, and you've mentioned this a couple of times through our conversation, that it's not doesn't always have to be about disruption. You can just work within the ecosystem, which I think is very refreshing because a lot of people and you know especially nowadays like you said it's all about disrupt 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 yeah but if you can work within the supply chain you can still be successful you don't have to necessarily disrupt it 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. another point is that everyone's you know within the e-commerce world and within now that like i've been hearing this a lot and it in a way it bothers me you know like how people keep saying you have to focus on the top line but fuck no what's important is the bottom line Mm. Okay, everyone wants to. Everyone gives you the example of Amazon, and this is Amazon. It's an outlier, and Definitely. you know, you know, and it's it's business is about the bottom line, as simple as that. Yes, it might take you some time, you know, to get to the level where you start to be profitable. You you, uh, yes, I understand. But if you keep just focusing on the top line, 
you're going to end up in a bad place mm. because you really need to focus on the bottom line. Really need to focus on the bottom line. Yeah. That's my point of view. Mm. Is that where you've learned, uh, ha- like you've seen in your experience, you know, with Cypher and like working in the finance yes. game? Yeah. Yes, 100%. Because, you know, I don't know why this, the, you know, I, I believe the crony capitalism that we live in, the world we live in, focuses a lot on scale and that success comes with, you know, you know how rich material in the materialistic world you 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 can you should get and all of the above and they forget what you're leaving behind you know you're focusing on a lot of things that are not as important and what's going to bring you happiness exactly exactly yeah. yeah so for me i i wish honestly i wish that cypher can you know do more when it comes to charities and do more when it comes to working within the communities and all of the above but unfortunately it's very hard in dubai to do so because you have to get all these approvals from the government and uh, approvals from uh, you know the various ministries and Mm -hmm. it can get you know very tricky and you don't want to get into that road where Mm you you know you have to justify everything that you're doing and stuff like that sure when it comes to this I wish we were working somewhere where it's easier to, you know, donate for each cup bag of coffee you donate a specific amount of money to us, to a charity that you believe in or something of that sort. Mm. I be, I think it's it's very important to do so. It's very important for any organization to give back to you know charities and, you know, less plastic in the in the environment or all mm. of the above like we're working very hard at cypher right now is to find a better packaging durable packaging for our coffee beans rather than the packaging we're using right now. unfortunately up to date there is there are no biodegradable products available for coffee for uh, to to maintain the quality of the coffee Exactly. Uh, because most of biodegradable products, they will cross-contaminate the coffee from that a taste perspective. Sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. But trust me, we are on top of it. We are following up with Korea. We're following up with the USA. We're following up with companies in Canada. We're following up with companies in China. We're trying to see, because I think humanity will get to that stage. But we're trying to see where we can do it. And trust me, it's five to six times more expensive than these bags that we're... And I hope also the attitude of 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 the consumer changes right? because from a business business perspective, when we offered the coffee to send the coffee in a reusable you know paint you know what do you call it the paint uh, type like, of box you like know cans cans yes, yeah. and they, we clean them and wash them, we send the coffee across you know to them, and they we refill it for them first of all, we will face a lot of issues from the municipality in Dubai. It's going to be impossible because cross co- might cause contamination and all of the above. Furthermore, the clients, you know, they don't want that. They want. So this is something that we really want to change as Cypher. And we're doing it for the environment. We're not doing We We don't want to do it. It's not about, you know, posting it online or what. But we will post it online if it's going to push other people to do it as well. Yeah. Why not? It's a good intention. It's a good thing to do. But until today, we haven't found that product. The right, the right product yet. But I think you make such a good point, Mohammed, that you know, giving back to the community and helping, you know, reducing waste and all these kind of things. Because it's you didn't get to where you are without other people helping you and the community being there to help you as well in whatever fashion that it did. So I think it's important to also give back and help other people, just like you know. Hundred percent. We are super grateful for Dubai, for the UAE. We're super grateful for the my family i'm super grateful for my friends i'm super grateful for my partners for everything that they provided for the clients i consider them my partners you know they, it's it really hurts sometimes when we do a mistake and uh, we don't try to you know there's a principle that we do we always communicate it with my colleagues and i say do not try to justify your mistake just recover just Ad- recover admit it admit it learn apologize. from it provide recovery plan to them and move on yeah what are the biggest lessons that you've learned i guess over the last five years of you know building cypher and running a business what are the biggest lessons you learned hard work transparent good intentions 
Patience. Patience. You mentioned transparency a couple of times today. Um, and I want to understand from you, why is that such an important value for you that, you've, you, know, that you like to imply your I, business and your I relationships? I believe intentions, they are good karma. You know, if your intentions are clear, you kind of attract people who are similar mm. to you. Yeah. You sleep well at night means you wake up refreshed to go to work <laughs> you're yeah. you just and people sense it people of similar attitude they sense that you're sincere and you're not trying to cheat or bullshit or anything of that sort and your stakeholders sense it as well it feeds positive vibes to the employees it feeds positive vibe to the consumers it feeds positive vibes to everyone else and your partners so it's super important to be really clear and transparent with people because your clients will appreciate you saying that yes it was my fault it was my mistake more than you trying to run away from it or you trying to cover it up cover it up or anything of the above you just move on yeah. learn from it and move on and i guess it helps build a lot more trust between you know, ev- everyone involved because i'm a kind of old school when it comes to this and what you said is so true i I like word of mouth mm. more than anything else. And I like uh, reputation. I like our pre- reputation to precede us. Yeah. I like people to say, these are good people. And they have amazing coffee. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I, like, I like people to speak, you know. You know it, gives me, it gives me, it's rewarding oh, when yeah. people speak in a good way about you. And why not? Yeah, and it's the same with giving back to charity and community. It's rewarding. It's something that you feel good about. Something you've done something good. Yeah. As an organization, if you, if you, you know, build that thought system within the organization, I think it's built to last. Yeah, exactly. Uh, One thing that I read about, and then touching on your point, is that you could do, you know, whatever you, whatever you want. You could be successful, whatever. But if you don't have some form of contribution back to society back to your community back to the world you'll never be fulfilled and i thought that was really really interesting 100 percent. yeah and i've noticed that since i was young so that's why it's very important for me i really hope so we we do it this way you know we're we're talking with various farmers as well to build uh, you know to help in building some soccer fields for them in colombia and oh no way yeah. that's awesome so we're we're we still haven't done it but we're in discussions with some farmers to do it because we just want to make sure the money doesn't go in the wrong hands and of course just, uh, yeah yeah just need to you know do the right due diligence do it the right way and yeah yeah i wanted to come back to the e-commerce aspect because uh this is something i've been thinking about as well what's your i wanted to get your take on the coffee subscription box uh plat you know kind of service and yeah. what do you what do you think of it and positives benefits yeah but it's definitely positive why not i mean if you believe in the roaster that you're buying from and you want to be and you don't want to every like you're not the type that you're going to choose very every month you want to choose a different coffee depending on the flexibility of the subscription and all of the above it's very important um i just think you as a roaster you shouldn't rush into it Okay, what if makes that's you say not, that? Uh, if that's not your business model, I mean, because you know, in the U.S. and Canada and uh, and Europe, you have roasters that are own subscription based. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we are working on a subscription type of system for Cipher, but for me, it's very important to be flexible with the subscription. That's number one. Number two, as a business, you must have the right consumer base to start it. Otherwise, mm. it's a waste of you know you the effort you're putting in to create such a system in the back end and the fr- you have to be ready you have to be ready to that's my advice to any roaster just be ready for for it because you might rush it in and you might not reap the benefits timing is super important in anything you do in life i think and the so, timing yeah. must be right in my point of view i might be wrong but personally i think timing is very important yeah for this but i think you made a <clears throat> very interesting point that i didn't think about that you you know as a roastery or thing, if you're going to go down that subscription route, you have to have the infrastructure and like the flexibility to be able to support that kind of thing. Cause it's not just about putting two bags of coffee and sending it off. No, 100%. Right. Yeah. 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 100%. It's, it's that a lot of people think it's that, but, and this is what I'm going back to the e-commerce with what people, it's, it's a misconception that you think that, okay, uh, I'm roasting coffee. Let me put some coffees online and sell it online. 
It's the least of your worries. <laughs> really, what yeah. the back-end work, the logistics, the customer service, the it's a business, it's a beast by itself. E-commerce, you know, if you really want to expand your business and, uh, you know, you want to cross to a specific line, the amount of investment you have to put in place to advertise, to run campaigns in social media, to keep it, it's not like to advertise one, two months and see you later. It's a I year, mean, two years, it's three years. It's continuous. Yeah, exactly. It has to stay continuous. You have to stay innovative. You have to stay creative. You have to find different ways to sell. You have to find new different forms. The, the logistics, you have no control over it because you're not DHL, you're not FedEx, you're not <laughs> yeah. Amazon for the people who are True. you know, really into the Amazon type of model and all of the above. So you have to be careful of this. Yeah. You really don't rush it in. And that's why focus is super important. And even as a roaster, you need to know what you want to do. Are you a shop roaster? Meaning you're, uh, you're a cafe roasting business? Or are you a roaster distributor? Meaning you're just going to roast and distribute. That's what you want to focus on. Are you a specialty guy? Really a specialty guy? That means I'm going to focus only on premium products. Mm. Or you want to do a bit of both. Or you're going to be a commercial coffee roaster who supplies uh, gas stations. And uh, there's no harm in that as well. I mean, you can find a great product in a to supply, you know, um, cafes or to be a Turkish coffee supplier, for example, or yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, I had a question, but I think you've given me the answer, but I'm curious to see if it's the same. So I was going to ask you, what advice would you give someone who was considering getting into coffee? And from what I've learned from our conversation is that your intent and your vision of what you want to do is prob- and probably the most important thing. Or am, most, I, am I wrong? 100%. 100% and the passion that drives it. Yeah. Listen, if you're getting into the coffee business because of money, you're you're mistaken. It's a passion-driven, it's like food, you know. It has to be, you must, one of the most important assets you have is your olfactory area, your sensory area, how mm. you taste the yeah. coffee. It's super important. One thing about coffee, so I've been doing a coffee course for the last like month or two and it's all about quality control. So learning about, you know, defected beans and cupping and roasting because I just I just love it. And yeah. I think it's super interesting and it just blows my mind every day. I'm like, I can't believe how much like coffee is a science and how much knowledge you need to have to like start. So for me, I'm like, eventually at some point in my life, I will be in coffee. This is a guarantee because I just love it way too much. But I'm just trying to, I've been trying to think about what would be, you know, the right way to do it or what the right avenue is? Any advice? Yes. You're on the right track. Just also where you do it is important. The location? Yeah. I mean, um, find the right place where you feel your heart belongs to, you know, mm-hmm. where you're going to open. Meaning, it's life is not only about work it's about where you're living people you're connecting to if you're going to open a cafe what type of clients you want to have you know what type of people that you want to sometimes you get the right product but the timing might be wrong sometimes you might get the right timing and the right product but it's the wrong location yeah true so definitely think about it this way and honestly don't pay so much attention to competition a lot of people say saturation and this and that and this when we opened there were a lot of roasters in town established ones Mm. and if you love what you do if you have clear intentions if you work hard you will find space to to be Be successful be be successful or and enjoy what you do yeah Mo, I want us to be uh, mindful of our time. So for my last uh, two questions, number one, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. And I've been ha- waiting for this for a long time. And we can g- I can get out with, about coffee with you for days. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my last two questions would be, well, number one, what's your vision for the future of Cypher? What would you like, it to, would you like to achieve with it? Yeah, and- my vision is to basically continue doing what we're doing, continue improving never stop improving um get to a stage where you know where we are self sufficient uh, even more more than what we are right now give back to the communities that 
we're in and we work with and uh, keep enjoying it because the minute I stop enjoying it, I'm out. Simple. Yeah. Don't do something you're not going to enjoy, yeah. right? Nah, life is short. Enjoy the now, you know. Yeah. Enjoy the moment. I agree. And uh, you can pick what you'd like to say because I think there's a lot, lot of lessons to take from here. But last message you'd like people to go home with for today. Oh. Clear intentions, hard work will get you to places. Trust me. Clear, All the best. Clear intentions and hard work it is. Mo, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. And to everyone listening, thank you guys. And as always, I hope it helps. Peace.